All right, Chris, you got this. You got this. It's your first podcast uh, ever, but, you know, you've listened to podcasts before, so you'll, you'll do fine. This will be great. You'll do great. This is still recording, isn't it? Welcome to Excite Bite, new podcast brought to you by the Excite Center. I'm your host, Christopher Butler. After finishing up the last episode of the Excite Cast, we wanted to revamp our approach to making podcasts. The content will be the same, with Steam and all the events going on at the Excite Center, but condensed down into a shorter show. A little bit about me I'm Chris, the new podcast and communications assistant co op here at Excite. Uh, I'll be working on this podcast and pretty much whatever is needed around the Excite Center. Uh, it's my first time making a podcast, so if you have any feedback at all, please feel free to share. I'd really appreciate it. So, with that out of the way, let's get going into the topic for this episode, Skyscraper Games. In central Philadelphia, there's a building called the Sierra Center. It's a 29-story, asymmetrical skyscraper, covered in glass windows, and in the corner of each of those windows is an LED light. These lights are incredibly bright, and can be seen from very far away, but more importantly, they're programmable. Each light could be turned on and off or change color independently of the others, and the shape of the building made this array of lights almost like a grid. Sometimes some text is set to scroll across the face of the building, or images are thrown up, but six years ago, someone had a new idea. My name is Frank Lee. I'm a professor of digital media um, at Drexel University, founder of the game design program, as well as the founding director of the entrepreneurial game studio. Frank saw these programmable lights and, being the director of a game studio, wondered if it were possible to play a game on it. And, uh, spoiler alert, he did it. Twice. Back in 2013, um, I showcased Pong for the first time on the Sierra Center building. Um, that was followed up in 2014 with Skyscraper Tetris, uh, using both sides of the building. These events were huge in every sense of the word. They set the world record for the physically largest video game and garnered a lot of attention. After I finished up with Skyscraper Tetris in 2014, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with the Skyscraper Games project. Um, so I had Pong in 2013, as I mentioned, and Sky and Tetris in 2014, um, what do I want to do next was the question. And what I came up with is, or was, the idea of trying to use the platform to try to engage um, young kids, especially underrepresented in the game industry. Uh, these include uh, women and minorities. And so to talk about some of the new stuff going on, I've got a couple more guests. My name's Ben Ledoux, and I used to be EGS co-op, and now I am the program assistant slash student assistant uh, working primarily on Skyscraper Games. My name is Corey Arnold. I'm the program manager of the Entrepreneurial Game Studio. My job at this point is to essentially like coordinate all the dates and make sure all the development deadlines are hit um, and make sure that the games actually run on the skyscraper when, that, when the time comes. 
They haven't been around since the beginning of the project, but they both played a big part in bringing this new phase of the project to life. They were like, well, what? how can we use this technology as a kind of like outreach or as a kind of, you know, use it for, for like a better purpose than just being this large spectacle? Um, so that's when it became a sort of uh, education or outreach tool for, for middle schoolers. So at this point and at this phase of the project, Skyscraper Games is really a way to teach middle schoolers how to code in Python by making uh, video games. To do this, they used a website developed over the past few years that's filled with content on programming and game development. With the help of a lot of very talented people, helped develop SkyscraperGames.com, which provided a front-facing place for people to go and write programs for the skyscraper in a live code environment and then test it out on a simulated version of the skyscraper. Yes, so on skyscrapergames.com they've developed a um, simulator essentially that mirrors the light grid um, that we actually use for the Sierra Center uh, and next to that is a, is a, you know, a code box, a code block uh, that is, is a live coding environment for Python. So students uh, or whoever, I, I guess, will get into that developer environment and um, code in there and then see what it runs like on the, on the skyscraper itself. So they reached out to local middle schools and taught a handful of teachers the basics of programming using the website. And then the teachers went on to teach their students how to make games. Um, so different teachers did it different ways. I know uh, one teacher was like a math teacher and he somehow integrated it into the math curriculum. Another teacher was uh, for an after school program. Another teacher had like a free period and their free period was like, hey, learn how to make video games. Video games are so interdisciplinary as a as a you know design discipline that you can sort of slot them into to a bunch of different subjects, you know, whether it be art or mathematics or coding or whatever. And so once those games were made, it was time for the first showcase. All the students came to our uh, space here at the Excite Center, and just we had a showcase where all the teams showed their games, and then Frank and Matt and I walked around, looked at the ones that were functional and working. Um, you know, and then we chose one that we thought was the winner. Some games were kind of fairly close to existing old arcade games, but there are others that were completely unique and new. Um, so you have a range of, of games and that you know, represents the, the creativity of the wonderful kids of Philadelphia. One of the most interesting parts about watching these kids design games for this particular platform is that it's like this this it's essentially just like a dot matrix grid right it's like 19 by 21 or something so it's just a bunch of colored circles and I remember games being developed on that resolution for like phone and stuff like I remember playing the old snake or just very simple games like that or even playing old calculator games or watch games you know Mm -hmm. and so I know what some of the archetypes for developing in that resolution are like, oh, they're going to make Snake, but different. Or, oh, they're going to make Space Invaders, right? Or just old Atari games. But these kids are middle schoolers, so they don't even, they don't even have those as references. So they just made just real weird games that, like, kind of came from their own brains. And the games are all interesting, but there could only be one winner. So the one that won this game, Phil, is both sort of, like, unprecedented in that I've never seen a game like it. Uh, and it's, like, based on very simple coding principles designed by a first-time coder. But it's still really fun in real time. The goal of Phil is very true to its name. Fill up the screen with light. You play as one dot on the screen, and you leave a white trail behind you as you move. There's also an enemy dot that chases you, leaving its own trail behind. If the enemy touches you, then it's game over. But if you light up the whole screen, you win. 
It's a pretty simple concept, but actually playing the game is pretty intense, like that chaser will not give you much breathing room. So now there are a bunch of student-made games that run on a simulation of the skyscraper, but uh, getting it to run on the skyscraper is a different story. It still wasn't easy getting to this point, but there are still a couple more challenges they'll have to face if they want to make a successful event. In terms of some of the challenges that we faced in kind of updating this project and bringing this project to light, I would say, um, on the technical side at least, the biggest things were optimizing the games and getting the lights basically to turn back on in the skyscraper. The first one was a little bit tricky basically because of the code that was written on. Like, this project has been going on since before 2013. It's uh, a project that spans, like, you know, over five years. Like, you know, there's a lot of code in there that is used for different places, was used one time, some code that doesn't work anymore, some things about the building have changed. And so all of that kind of uh, cascaded to, in this last six months, just making sure that we were ready to go at various points there wasn't great documentation on this project and there was a there's as you imagine it's like hacking a building there's just so many different systems and knowledge bases you got to understand this light grid and there's all this different kind of code code that interacts with all these different kinds of devices despite all those challenges everything is nearly ready to be shown off on june 10th everyone's hard work will finally be displayed um so from 6th to 8th we will have um, about five to six representatives from the independent game scene in Philadelphia showcasing games. Um, so the public has a chance to play the wonderful creative uh, independent games that are being made in Philadelphia. As well as, I believe, we're going to have a number of classic arcade uh, games along with um, food vendors and so on. So for, for the two hours, it's going to be a, a festival uh, from 6 to 8. Uh, from 8 to 8.30, we'll sort of transition in to the actual showcase. From 8.30 to 9.30, we'll showcase the games made by kids with a chance for the public to play the games. So this event is coming up, and it's going to be amazing, but it's also important to understand why any of this is happening in the first place. One thing that I feel frustrated with is the fact that there is so little diversity and so little diverse representation within the game industry. I mean, it's it's not any worse or better than the tech industry, but the tech industry itself is pretty awful when it comes to representation. I feel like the more diverse the game industry is, the more interesting and creative games that will come out of it. The more diverse voices there is in the game industry, the more creative and fun and engaging games will come out from it. And as, a, as someone who loves games, I want more interesting and creative games to come out of the industry. Even though this project has been successful so far, there's still a lot more to be done, even after this event. So kind of going on from this, um, I know in like the micro scale, um, it'll be a lot of making sure all of the code and all of the changes that we've made to any of the code and like the background things are then carried on and well documented so that it can be expanded on in the future and in terms of what that will be expanded to be uh, there are a lot of ideas floating around personally the one that i think is really exciting that frank mentioned was um, basically finding a way to integrate uh, the Sierra Center South, also known as Evo, which has its own light structure on there, but is completely different from the Sierra Center. So where the Sierra is like almost like a display of pixels, 
Evo is uh, like bands of lights wrapping around the building like in long LEDs. I don't know. So all these things are almost always dependent on funding. So the tail sort of wags the dog in a way with projects like these. Um, I, I know what we would like to do with it is to expand the contest so that it's not just a project for, you know, regional middle schoolers or in fact, just making it a little bit more citywide um, and more regular, like maybe yearly or every two years would be awesome. So that getting the curriculum in, in front of more middle school teachers and then getting it therefore into more middle schools and having this maybe be a yearly thing would be would be great because all the materials are there. Um, we've finally figured out the system so that we can replicate it. Like if we, uh, we, we're better on documentation now, so we'll be able to replicate it again next year. Um, so ideally, we run the contest again for other middle schoolers in the city. My hope going forward is to expand it regionally to include you know, greater Philadelphia regions, have an open contest for kids to make games uh, with their teachers as part of a informal or formal curriculum around the schools in greater Philadelphia and possibly expand it nationwide so kids from all over the country could submit games with a skyscraper for a public showcase of their games. So I definitely think like at the EGS and with Frank's Vision it's very broad and stuff, but it's definitely not the last of skyscraper games and it's definitely not the last of large scale public civic art that is interactive. So if you're listening to this shortly after it comes out, the Skyscraper Games event will be on Monday, June 10th with pre-festivities going on from six to eight and the game showcase starting at 830. You can also check out the website, skyscrapergames.com, to see the simulator, and if you're interested, you can even learn how to program your own game for the skyscraper. If you want to hear more about the project and follow it, you can follow the Entrepreneurial Game Studio on Twitter, at EGS Drexel, and the Excite Center, at Excite Center. That should be it, uh, but before I go, allow me to reintroduce an old friend, Hubo, the dancing robot we have here at the Excite Center. Say hi, Hubo. Greetings, podcast audience. My name is Hubo, and I am the most comical robot in the world. If you're a fan of the older episodes, you might have noticed that he's got a new, more British voice this time. Uh, He's also gotten a software update, so hopefully his joke should be a little funnier this time around. Here, uh, let's give it a shot. Hubo, what's this week's joke? How many animals can jump higher than a skyscraper? All of them. Skyscrapers are incapable of jumping. Ha ha ha. Uh, yeah, good one, buddy. Uh, we'll have to work on that. But anyways, thanks for listening to Excite Bite. I'll see you next time. <laughs>